Welcome to Chatsunami. Hello, ho, ho, everybody, and welcome to another festive episode of Chatsunami. My name's Satsunami, and joining me for this festive episode is none other than the one and only Hallmark hero himself, Andrew. Andrew, welcome back. Thanks for having me back. Quick question. Do you believe in Santa? I would like to refer you to my Red Panda lawyer. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, and on that note, how are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Not too bad. As you can hear by my voice, I have come down with a little bit of a cold. See, that's the official story, but I genuinely feel as if the topic for today has poisoned me and I am slowly decaying into <laughs> a pile of garland and Christmas ornaments. Did you say garland? I said garland. Oh my garland, indeed. <laughs> Last week we decided to discuss the 2019 film Noel. I have to say, obviously we are halfway through December at this point, but have you been watching a lot of Christmas films? We've been getting into the Christmas spirit, we've been watching several especially bad Christmas movies. We completed the Christmas Prince trilogy, which is just possibly the worst series of Christmas movies I've seen, except for maybe some of the ones we saw today. We'll have to discuss that. How about yourself? Well, yeah, we have been going through quite a few of them. I actually tweeted out about this, but my family and I, we all went out to watch the Muppets Christmas Carol live in Glasgow, and that was actually really good. And by live, I mean the music was live. They didn't just pull out Kermit the Frog. (laughs) They were like, oh, let's recreate it, which would have been awesome in itself. But yeah, we've watched that, we've watched The Grinch. We actually watched Spirited as well. Have you seen that film? I don't think so, no. It's the Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell take on a Christmas Carol. I think it's relatively new. I think it was an exclusive on Apple TV, but it's surprisingly really well done. Oh, yeah, I don't have Apple TV, so I don't currently have a legitimate way of watching it. But no, other than that, there's been, you know, bits and pieces. We actually also ventured into bad Christmas films. We finally watched Christmas Chronicle, or A Christmas Chronicle, The Christmas Chronicle. I can't remember it was Chronic anyway, but yeah, today we are indeed going to be pulling ourselves away from good Christmas films and we are going to be talking about two very I was going to say iconic but let's face it, see at this rate, they just push them out in a factory conveyor belt, don't they? It does seem very Christmas cookie cutter of these movies where they all fit the same tropes, they all have very similar protagonists, they all have that same kind of message and various kind of lines, but yeah, each one has its own special spark of terrible that we're hoping to capture today. So, in a surprising move, I have to say because this is something I was saying to you just before we started recording tonight but I was actually surprised that we haven't done this idea since Adam and I did it during the first year of Chatsunami and what I mean by that is during our first Christmas on Chatsunami Adam and I decided to exchange two very bizarre and terrible Christmas films with one another we decided to watch the very festive classic Bone Alone and Silent Night Deadly Night, which 
which I have to say, both of them, not very good Christmas films, let alone films, but yeah, I'm just surprised that after that, we never really did anything like that since, and especially with you and I, Andrew, so I think this was your idea, so if anyone has to get blamed for this episode, <laughs> I guess it's going to be you, Andrew, so apologies. <laughs> I knew I had to take on the blame at some point, so it's only fair. So yeah, today we are indeed going to be talking about two Hallmark films, we are going to be talking about 2014's Christmas Under Wraps, and we are also going to be talking about 2022's I Believe in Santa. See, without any further ado, because I feel as if I am beating around the holly bush at this point, <laughs> not wanting to talk about these films, but will we just dive into it? Yeah, let's jump straight into it. And as always, we will be right back after these festive messages. You can get everything you need on Chad Tsunami. Creepy face. Is that a teaser for I Believe in Santa? <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Shatsunami, a variety podcast that discusses topics from gaming and films to anime and general interests. Previously on Shatsunami, we've analysed what makes a good horror game, conducted a retrospective on Pierce Brosnan's runs James Bond, and listened to us take deep dives into both the Sonic and Halo franchises. Also, if you're an anime fan, then don't forget to check us out on our sub-series, Chatsunani, where we dive into the world of anime. So far, we've reviewed things like Death Death Note, Princess Mononoke, and the hit Beyblade series. If that sounds like your cup of tea, then you can check us out on Spotify, iTunes, and all good podcast apps. As always, stay safe, stay awesome, and most importantly, stay hydrated. Hello, my name's Alan. And my name's Robin. And we together broadcast Radio Leaving 372. It's a podcast... Oh, sorry. <laughs> Absolute garbage at this. Hello, my name's Alan. And I'm Rowan. And this is Radio Leaving 372. A podcast from our pub shed in our garden, the Debuckety Scooty. And we're available across all the platforms that you listen to your podcast on. So join in and listen to our inane banter. Thanks for listening. Bye. So let's start off with probably the more contemporary film of the two and I'm going to hand this one over to you Andrew because as I said before you and I both decided to pick out Hallmark films for one another. We purposely chose really bad films so yeah the floor's yours. Would you like to tell the lovely listeners at home about the wonder that is I believe in Santa. Nothing would make me happier. So Satsunami decided to provide to me this wonderful Christmas movie, which is called I Believe in Santa. The movie is basically about a adult man who genuinely believes Santa is real and a relationship he forms with a woman who hates Christmas and who has a daughter who still believes, but she's not really sure how to break the news to the daughter about Santa not being real at the right age. And so it's about both her coming to terms with his belief in Santa, appreciating the holidays, and then him sort of understanding not to force his belief of Santa onto people and to take the holiday as it comes. Yeah, that sounds about right, to be honest. See, this is usually the part where I would say, oh yeah, you can go look it up on Wikipedia or like IMDb, but information about this film is very scarce. Yeah, I tried to find like a Wikipedia article and it doesn't exist. They have an IMDb page, but it doesn't really have much on it. So it's very difficult finding more info on the background of this movie because there's a lot of things we were quite curious about, like uh, whether or not this movie was originally designed 
as like a religious movie that they then replaced the theme to be about Santa. Oh, this was 100% a religious film. People keep saying this to me with some films where it's like, oh, maybe you're overthinking it or maybe you're reading too deep into it. No, 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 no. I believe 100% this was just reworked from I believe in Jesus Christ or something like that. But instead they were like, eh. I want to make it more Christmassy. You know, that'll sell more. So they decided to switch Jesus with Santa, which, you know, that's a whole other commentary in itself. But you're completely right, though. There's only maybe one piece of, as of recording this episode, there's only one piece of trivia for this film. And it's something like that the two main actors who fall in love, I know, spoilers for these films, but the two actors that fall in love, they are actually married in real life. How do they have no chemistry then? Yeah, that was my question as well because when I was watching them I was like wow this is like I don't know someone rubbing two Santa figures together and being like oh look at the chemistry I'd find it more believable if they were siblings than a married couple well they've both got the same big crazy eyes which we will come on to but can I just point out how this film starts because it's not a conventional Christmas film because usually when you get a film like this it always starts bang in the middle of Christmas but I remember and I have to admit I'm angry that this film actually got me to do some maths. I think it was 170 or 100 and something days till Christmas. And I was like, oh, that's fine. That's only one month, two months, three months. <laughs> it was about six months before Christmas because they have a huge 4th of July party thing. And can I just say, this is probably one of the worst ways to introduce one of your love interests into one of these kind of films. Because I don't think the term, see when you're having a dinner party, you're saying, oh, how did you meet your husband and everything? And they go, I met him because I thought he was a kitty kidnapper. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, you nearly kidnapped my daughter at a 4th of July party only. No, no, he didn't. And that was just very weird to me. I don't know how you felt. Yeah, I, I did think that was a very bizarre dynamic that was initially kind of set up where like, understandably, when you see your daughter who should have been with a group of friends and an adult with a random stranger, you are going to be like, oh my god, what the, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, that a very quickly was like, oh, but you're actually kind of cute though and maybe I should uh, try and date you. That did feel very strange and like, yeah, it's not really good dinner party conversation when you're like, oh yeah, we met because I thought he was a paedophile. You know, it's more like how an episode of Dateline would start or something like that. Is he that kind of person? Like, no, 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 nothing like that. Oh, thank God. Then what is his weird thing? Oh, he's just obsessed with Christmas. I'm sorry, what? No, he's just obsessed with a big bearded man in a red suit, which of course brings us on to the main point or rather the reason this is called I Believe in Santa. I think you're missing, though, the start of the movie where she's writing this article about the 4th of July. Oh, yeah, why she loves it compared to Christmas. Initially, she's told to write an article for whatever stupid like magazine zine that she has to write for, which I looked at a picture of the email she was sending to her editor, who they set up as being like an absolute asshole and ended up being a very reasonable human being in the end. The zine, as far as I can tell, is called milehighezine.com. Do you write for airplane articles or something? What are you writing for? And why are you writing an article about how good a holiday is? And why is that consistently your job? Because the only two articles we've seen her write is one on Independence Day and then later one on Christmas. That must be a really tough job, having to write twice in a year. I know, exactly. We don't see her do any other work aside from that. As far as I could tell, if the article was just what she read out at the start, then it was like two paragraphs long. And then and like half of that was dedicated to why she doesn't like Christmas. I'd feel pretty... Uh, 
uh, cheesed off reading that and being like, I came here to read why my favorite holiday, Independence Day, is the best damn holiday in, of the year, and I'm getting stuff about Christmas, and that's just not acceptable. Good accent, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. That felt very weird. I don't know why she's writing articles in this. And then we get a reaction shot from one of our main characters, Tom, who reads her article and was like, don't know about this person. I think he's like drinking cocoa and like, I think eating a candy cane in July. Is he not like a Christmas onesie or something? I think he is. In early July, I think he's already doing Christmas stuff. And so it's not like later on, he's like, it's only for like a month or so a year. Hmm. But like, clearly it's not because clearly you're Christmas crazy earlier in the year too. What the hell is wrong with this guy? So much. And again, before we go on and start talking about how weird these characters are, this isn't a slate against the actors themselves. It's obviously the characters they're playing and everything. So just want to throw out that disclaimer before we get into it, before the big hallmark people start beating down their door. Yeah, then of course, later on, we have the, oh God, we have the reveal, quote unquote, where we see that he is obsessed with Christmas and he's talking to his friend about how he hasn't told his girlfriend I mean, they would have been dated for about six months by this point. By this point, yeah, it would have been at least four or five months. And then he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, let me show you how amazing I am when it comes to Christmas. And he opens the door. And I'm going to be honest, they are some of the tackiest decorations I think I've ever seen in my life. So she goes crazy about how overboard he goes for Christmas. And like, there are a few things. But to be honest, I've seen a lot more decorations in a place before. This wasn't an insane level of Christmas decoration. The only thing that was like a big like, oh, okay, was the Santa, animatronic Santa he had, which was very creepy and then the train set which was quite extra but didn't necessarily need to be like a christmas thing that could have just been this guy's into trains so her reaction to seeing that kind of puzzled me because i was like it's not even that much no i completely agree i mean i've even written this on my notes i have said and this is verbatim guy is the most milquetoast lover of christmas as i said you know it is kind of over the top but i have i've seen a lot worse personally yeah see when i first saw it from her angle behind her and everything i thought Oh, that's not that bad. And when they turned it around, I totally agree with you. I thought, okay, the decorations are a bit much, and the trains a bit much. The animatronic Santa's weird. It's like I don't know a prequel to Christmas Five Nights at Freddy's going on there. I'm pretty sure there was like a Coca-Cola Santa kicking about. Twelve Nights of Santa. Oh god, don't give them ideas. <laughs> but yeah, it wasn't that bad. I have to say. What we also missed out was the montage of other holidays that happened between Independence Day and. And Christmas where they were like having fun together as like a family. It's like montage of going out for summer walks and dressing up for Halloween and going for an autumn walk, all these kind of things. There was like loads of them. Each shot was maybe five seconds. And so like they must have been like, all right, this room, film it. Let's go, 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 go. And like film like a random scene and then move on to the next one. I'm like, how many of these did they actually film? Do you know what? I was actually impressed that and this is like going way ahead. But you know how whenever you go into the apartments of these places, Places. And, you know, there's like the family photos on the wall. Can you imagine that being part of your job to be like, okay, you have to pretend to be my daughter in this picture and you have to be happy. <laughs> Just the thought of this poor wee kid being like, I don't want to do this job anymore. It's like, you're going to smile for I believe in Santa and it's going to be in your IMDb resume forever. <laughs> smile, damn it. Kind of weird, I have to say. But again, there's no information, so I've got no idea what went on. Speaking of, like, I mean, I can justify his apartment. He's a lawyer. And his roommate, I think, is also a lawyer. Yes, I thought it would be clear, does it? He seems to work in the same firm. I don't know if he's a paralegal, if he's a lawyer as well, or, or what the situation is mm-hmm. there. She 
on the other hand, is in a very nice house and it seems to be a single parent that works for a magazine that she sometimes writes articles for. How is she affording this house? I'm going to go with money laundering, to be honest. Well, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if she gets like really good like alimony checks or something from her partner to fund the mortgage payments or the rent payments, whatever she's got going on there, because it's absolutely crazy that she's got that place. I mean, she lives in Colorado, so it's not the most expensive area to live in. It's not like she's in like New York or something like that. But still, I find it hard to believe that a magazine writer's salary in Colorado is going to provide you enough to single-handedly pay for this house. This is a nitpick because this is the case with so many kinds of movies and shows and people often kind of bring up the fact like how are they affording this kind of thing. That did sort of take me out a little bit. I was like how is she doing that? Yeah there, it always seems to be a massive house and I know people say oh it's because it's different. I don't know is it not because they're made of wood or something like that some of these houses but even then it's like how do you afford such a big house? What is your secret? What kind of writing silver bullet do you have that you're affording all of this? Again she has time to really not pay attention to the fact that, let's face it, our boyfriend, soon-to-be husband, is a little bit on the off side. Because there's one thing about having a passion for Christmas, okay, that that's perfectly fine. You know, you do you. But the guy has like a spare warehouse full of Christmas stuff. Or not a warehouse, sorry. but like A storage a... unit. Yeah. So, he, yeah. so he pays for this. Better for the doubt, maybe he has other stuff other than just Christmas decorations in there. Where we live, we have a downstairs in the basement of our apartment building that we store our Christmas decorations in. So maybe that's a normal thing that he does that. But yeah, it, it does seem pretty odd. Then you've got wonderful lines that I'm sure tons of families will be saying all over, such as, have you ever been flocked? I've been flocked too. And I have never heard this term before, but I'm assuming it's the act of putting fake snow over a tree, I want to say. So it looks as if it's been outside, but that messed me up that. <laughs> because he turns around he's like oh look it's flocking season it's like the new Morbius it's flocking time I'm like please stop saying flocking because he says it three or four separate times why do you keep saying this why and again again it's a hallmark film they're trying to be cheesy and things but yeah I did think it was a bit strange there was there was a couple of lines that I kind of wrote down because they just amused me by how random and weird they were there was one that was like uh, I don't even remember who said it now but it was but Pasha it's Christmas I don't even remember who said that now but I remember it staying with me when we were watching later on in the movie my partner and I were laughing about her job again initially there was this whole joke about him putting an ad for like hot dogs sponsoring 4th of July and my partner and I were laughing about that isn't just like a 4th of July thing that's just like their regular sponsor and he's always promoting sausages and Grant the editor just like slaps the article this baby can hold so many <laughs> hot dog ads I completely forgot about that. Yeah, because he, he does turn around, yeah, doesn't he? And says, oh, did you mention the hot dogs? Did you mention this? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I mentioned that. Yeah, and of course, I'm reading my notes here. And one of the notes I actually do have is me just saying that this guy feels as if he's worse than Buddy the Elf, just purely because he's so up to 100 all the time. But the worst part, and this comes kind of later in the film, and it's the main point I think we can really levy against this film, as 
as to why does this film exist as it is. And they basically have a family dinner, don't they? Or a family and acquaintances dinner. And then they get into like a huge religious debate. I'm reading my notes here. I've got one that says, don't drink the eggnog. I think this man's a Scientologist. And I stand by that because he is very cult-like. You know, he starts talking about belief systems all over the world. It's a theme of today's episode. Yes, it will be actually. Yes, stay tuned for part two. Because he starts to bring religion into it. And I was like, okay, that's a one-off comment because Christmas is, by all means, at least originally, it is a religious holiday. And I thought, okay, you know, he's bringing that up. He's going to let it go. Oh, no, 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 no. He gripped onto it tight like a candy cane. Again, I wrote down, people who celebrate different religions equals celebrate Santa's Christmas. So it's like, they're not celebrating Christmas. This was the guy's argument, by the way, not mine for legal reasons here. He says that people of different religions still celebrate Christmas, but they celebrate it in Santa's POV, his type of Christmas. They don't celebrate it as a religious holiday. And I feel as if a lot of Americans probably do have something to say about that. Yeah, it very much is still a religious holiday to many. And also, Lisa's friend tries to bring this up. So you believe in the spiritual aspect of Santa, that his generosity uh-huh. and his love perpetuates throughout people around the world for Christmas. And he's like, no, fuck you, Sharon. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying Jolly St. Nick is real. And if you don't get your act straight, you're going to get cold this year, Sharon. Sharon was a highlight for me in that movie. Her reaction expressions were wonderful. Oh, no, she was absolutely fantastic. I feel as if, although don't get me wrong, after that dinner, I would be like, what the actual hell? But I was really surprised. I don't feel as if they were insensitive to other religions and things, but I'm going to be honest, I feel as if they were skirting a very, very thin line with this film. Uh, Yeah, they were on thin ice for sure. They didn't necessarily say anything offensive, in my opinion. But yeah, as soon as religion, and especially other religions, got brought up, I was like, oh, where are you going with this? Yeah, especially when they're talking about his flatmate, and he says, oh yeah, aren't you a Muslim or something like that? And I was like, oh my god, where are you going with this? (laughs) Because I was like, why are you bringing all these religions into a bloody Santa debate? It was just, again, it wasn't insensitive what they said, it was just very very bizarre. It's like someone who got the task of writing this film and it's like, okay, you can mention other religions and things but you have to be very very careful here. Because is this not one of these Hallmark films that also technically does have Santa in it at the very very end? Does it? I mean, do you mean the narrator? No, well no, not that. But is this the film, and I'm getting all these terrible films blended into one, but does the wee girl not get like an iPhone? Oh yeah yeah, she does at the end. It wasn't really clear whether or not Tom actually got that for her. Or did someone just break in and leave it there? <laughs> it's like, wow, a new phone. Or did she like steal one from an Apple store? And like, oh my god, guys, Santa got it for me. You have to let me keep it now. And he copied this balaclava for staying warm. Thank you, Santa. <laughs> and a sawed-off shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> this remnants of a Molotov cocktail. How did the evidence tapes get in here? Let's throw it into the fireplace. Oh god, now that's a film I would watch. Don't question the hog-tied security guard in the closet. I'm sure it's Santa's will. But yeah, 
the only other thing I really have to say about this film, other than the fact that, again, it's like a cult film, and not a cult classic, just a cult film in general, but the only other thing I want to bring up is his hatred towards this random child he calls Freckles. And I feel very uncomfortable with a 30-something-year-old man just trying to bully this child that's thrown snowballs at him. Yeah, he is. He's picked an element of this person's appearance and has given him a nickname based on it. Like, that is a very bullying behaviour. And both my partner and I looked very closely every time Freckles and Friend were on the screen, and neither of them had Freckles. We were like, which one of them is Freckles? It's not apparent. Because, I mean, there's literally three scenes that we see Freckles, quote-unquote. The first one is when he first sees them, and he has, like, this very PTSD Call of Duty moment where he grabs his partner and throws her out of the way. He's like, look out! Incoming! And he starts throwing snowballs back at this kid who's, you know, I mean, that is dickish behaviour by the kid, but you wouldn't expect an adult to reciprocate that, surely? Well, I mean, you can get the benefit of the doubt of the kids that maybe, like, they know this guy and that he's going to, like, play along with it. They're not just hitting every random passerby with snowballs. I don't know. We don't see enough evidence for that. No, we don't. In which case, these kids should burn in hell. But <laughs> it may be that he's in on it with them. I don't know. I, I feel as if there was a hint of scorn when they said it, because he goes, Freckles. And you know, he's really mad. Well, okay, he's not mad. He's Hallmark mad about it. Yeah, he returns fire. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the first time he fights back by himself, the second time it's him, his girlfriend Lisa and her daughter fight back. And then the final one is when they have to build like a cardboard sleigh for some. And it reminded me of that Simpsons episode with the soapbox derby racers. I also kind of thought about that, to be honest. Because I was expecting like the spikes to come out of Freckles' car or something like that. It's like, oh no, we're going down. Tom seemed very hyper-focused from the way I was looking at her. Yeah. I think he might have a point there. He definitely has an obsession, but I don't know. I think it genuinely goes beyond hyperfixation. And here's my reason why, Your Honour. I believe it's because, although, you know, he is hyperfixated on, you know, elements of Christmas, trying to make it holy jolly, he is a capitalist wet dream. He's buying all the Christmas stock at that time of year. What kind of weirded me out, though, you know, beyond freckles, beyond everything else he did in the film, was he has this really weird conversation with his partner down the line and I don't know if you felt this way as well when you were watching it but he has this weird conversation where he starts talking about things like faith and you shouldn't be imparting your beliefs onto your child and things like that and I can't remember why she doesn't like Christmas but she had a bad Christmas oh I could I could tell you exactly her background for not liking Christmas she as a child under 10 which this, this goes against all of Tom's rules which we'll get to later about Santa Claus. As a child under 10, she opened a closet and saw a Barbie that she was supposed to get for Christmas from Santa. And her parents were like, oh, you weren't supposed to see that. You've ruined Christmas. We're returning the toy and you're getting nothing. We hate you. Trauma, trauma, trauma. And that has caused her to believe, oh, they put traditions ahead of me. And so that's why Christmas is awful. Yeah, I'm going to pin this blame on the parents, to be honest. It's definitely not Santa's 
fault for that. Yeah, I don't think Christmas is necessarily to blame. It's clearly you have unresolved trauma with your parents. And like, it may be you just associate trauma you have with your parents with this particular holiday, which that is understandable. But like, if you're starting to enjoy aspects of Christmas, you are able to sort of recover from that and see that the two things aren't necessarily associated. And so she then sort of takes a hard turn back and is like, actually, no, fuck Christmas. And yeah, as I said, they have like a very deep and very much deeper than it had any right to be when he's like, oh, you should be imparting these beliefs onto your child. And, you know, rightfully so, she says, don't tell me how to raise my child. Yeah, she has a point there. He does very respectfully back off and apologise oh, for yeah. them. Like, of course, that is your child. That was not my place to say. That was a very mature way of dealing with that situation. I was quite impressed that they were able to do that because I think in the heat of the moment, often in those kind of situations, that's not how people deal with it. You holy jolly harlot, <laughs> let me tell you about Christmas. Yeah, it was just a very weird conversation and then it's forgotten all about just because he knows how to make a sled and I'm like if that isn't the spirit of Christmas I don't know what is. You have a use and so uh, we'll make amends. But yeah then they have the sleigh ride that wee girl steals the iPhone and yeah that's it. That's really oh and of course we get the end and narration of some disembodied voice going do you believe? Who are you? Am I in hell? It was such a weird deep voice as well it's kind of came out of nowhere like I, I got startled by it I was like oh my god yeah because at the beginning I think they have something similar where they've got the different languages that they bring in to say Merry Christmas Happy New Year and so forth and I can't remember if the narrator's there at the beginning I think there is a narration at the start from what I remember but I didn't make a note of it so I, I can't remember for sure but yeah they never bring it back again they just have the guy at the end come back going do you believe yes if you leave me alone <laughs> yes instead we have strange transitions between calendar days where there's the editing just goes from one day of Christmas to the other through the means of a calendar and it's like okay these are strange transitions you're doing this is what you decided on I mean maybe Windows Movie Maker was too expensive maybe <laughs> And on that note, before we go on to the next film, is there anything else you want to say about this absolute Christmas classic that I know you're going to have on your Christmas rotation from here on out? It will not be added to my Christmas rotation. (laughs) For legal reasons. But this movie was not as bad as I expected. It's not as bad as you made it out to me when you you suggested I watch this. And my partner and I did actually kind of enjoy the movie at times. Saying that, there was a lot we were like, what the fuck? I took so many issues with just the actors weird faces that they were making at any given point. Lisa's actress Christina Moore has the craziest eyes I think I've ever seen. It was genuinely terrifying at times. She looked like she was going to crack and kill him on several occasions. And like that was during scenes where they were having like a romantic dinner. It wasn't even her like shocked by something he did scene. Those were more normal faces than, than her normal like resting face that she had when she was looking at him adoringly. She looked like she was deciding what part of him she was going to cut up and eat. Yeah, that's what I had in my notes as well. Just the fact that she has very intense eyes whenever she has a reaction to anything. And you you just sit there and you think, what is going on here? Oh my god. I've just realised something that's made so much sense. John Ducey, who plays Tom, was the writer for this movie. No way. No wonder they were like, he's such a cute guy. He's so wonderful though. Oh, he's amazing. He just sort of wrote himself as being this absolute hunky guy when like, I'm sorry, I don't want to be mean, but John Ducey is not an attractive person. He's not ugly, but like from a love interest in these kind of Hallmark movies, he is not attractive at all. It's like that quote out of Simpson Tide where it's like, he's attractive in an ugly sort of way. There was definitely a lot of 
of self-insert in there, I think. Because the thing is, there's not even really any compromise at the end. I think that's my biggest issue with this film, other than the fact it's just a pseudo-religious film, but with Santa instead of insert whatever religion here. I was going to say, you know, uh, in like Christian rock, when they replace like actual rock songs where they say baby or like my girl, like just Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's what it felt like in this film. (laughs) (laughs) was. But beyond that though, the thing that really irked me about it was the fact that there was not really any compromise there. Like, granted he was level-headed, you know, he wasn't a total psychotic. He was like dressing up in Santa's clothes on Christmas Day, like, oh ho ho honey, let's get to work. It wasn't like that. But at the same time, she had to backtrack her trauma and just be like, oh yeah, I guess, because he's the love interest in this, we have to go along with it for the rest of our lives. I was like, really? Is this who you're settling for? And again, no shade to the real life couple. I just mean purely in terms of the characters here. So, will we move on to the next film? Yeah, I think we've flocked, I believe, in Santa for all it's worth. So the next film we have is 2014's Christmas Under Wraps, which is a film, rightfully so, I had never heard of until Andrew graciously gave it to me. Or, sorry, when I say gave it to me, he didn't post it through the mail. He just sent a link and said, go watch it and I was like oh I can't wait to watch this and yeah it's a film it's about a distinguished doctor who decides to move from her fast paced big city life she gets broken up with her boyfriend at the most romantic setting possible and that's what always annoys me about these films and even in high budget films it's like why do these guys or even women sometimes why do they always take people to the most romantic place possible you know they've got the candles, they've got the lovely music in the background. And you know, what course are you planning to break up on? You know, it's going to put a downer if you're midway through your soup and you're like, yeah, I think we should break up. But then again, is that a dick move to wait until your dessert to say? I guess the reasoning behind it is so like they can't make a scene because they'll be like, I'm in public, I'll break up with you and then you won't be screaming at me kind of thing. It's so cowardly. Is that not the same guidelines though? Say when you buy something off of eBay or something and they say meet in person or even Facebook Marketplace, something like that where they say me in person in a very public area where they can't cause a scene. I feel as if the guidelines are very similar there. I mean, uh, yeah, that's just a very tropey thing to do, to do that breakup at a restaurant. Why are you doing that there? That's such an immature thing to do. But yeah, so she thinks she's being engaged to. He's actually breaking up with her. Very brutal scene where, or the most brutal day because she gets broken up with by her seemingly long-term boyfriend. It must be long-term enough that she thought they were getting engaged and then finds out from her dad that she's not receiving the fellowship at this hospital in Boston that she was hoping to get a fellowship in. And so, like, this is a very sucky day for her. Yeah, and then, of course, she ends up accepting a rebound fellowship, which is the only way I can describe this, in the middle of nowhere, and quite possibly one of the worst-named towns I have ever heard in my life for one of these holiday films. So the town she goes to, and see if this is a real place. See, just in the off chance, please anybody reach out to me and please tell me if this is a real place. But she travels to a place called Garland, Alaska, and it's like the middle of nowhere. And see, in terms of middle of nowhere places, it's not the worst, is it? No, they seemingly have internet, which I was like, ah, that's not so bad considering she had to get like a small microplane from Anchorage over for like seemingly hours over to this random town 
with nothing else nearby it. Yeah, I was surprised because usually in these films you have the trope that they get there and they have like a very squalid accommodation and things like that. And it's like, oh, right, okay, you know, fish out of water situation kind of thing. And no, she ends up... And this massive log cabin. Prepaid for. They're like, we need a doctor. We will be paying you for your accommodation. We'll be paying for your travel. She seems to get a lot of meals and drinks and stuff free. And she's like the head doctor. So she's probably on like a pretty significant wage. She's going to be making absolute bank living here. Man, I'd move there for that kind of treatment. <laughs> To be honest, it's absolutely crazy everything she gets. And of course, you get the tropes throughout that, see, though, honestly, it just, it doesn't work in this sense because she goes in, and this is something I was saying to you before we started recording today, but she goes into this coffee place and it's like the only cafe in town. And she does the thing where she's like, oh, can I get a triple macchiato, something, something, something? And then she's like, oh, you don't do that here. And it's like, no, we've got instant coffee. As if that's the pinnacle of a backwards, middle-of-nowhere rural town. But as you said, you know, they've got internet, they've got supplies coming in constantly. One of the things that actually got me, and I think I texted you about it, was the fact that when she arrives there, she rolls her eyes and goes, Oh, great, they don't have a coffee maker. What, you mean a kettle? I think she meant like a Nescafe, Carling. No, no, I get that, but it's like, what's wrong with a kettle? She's got a fast-paced lifestyle. She can't be uh, making her own coffee. She got no time to press a button. Genuinely, I was losing sympathy for her at that point. Mind you, and American listeners can kind of correct me on this if I'm wrong, I don't think that many Americans have a kettle. Yeah, yeah. No, that is true, to be fair. Because I have to say, when a lot of Americans come over here, and this is very anecdotal, but as far as I know, when they come over here, they're kind of like, oh, what's this? And, well, not what's this. They obviously know it might be a kettle, but it's just not as common over there. Because, surprise, surprise, I don't think Americans are big tea drinkers. Iced tea, maybe. Iced tea, yeah, exactly. But flashing back, though, before she actually goes to Garland, and I made this note as well, I said Garland Hospital, what was Holly Jolly Hospital taken? Then, of course, you've got the foreshadowing mum who gives the very Christmas cracker. How do you put this? The Christmas cracker type advice? What Christmas crackers are you hoping for that gives you advice? They double as fortune cookies. It was a really poor purchase, I have to say. Oh, I see. Fortune crackers, if you will. But yeah, she says things like, oh, grandma says follow your heart and everything what grandma i'm sure that's what the mum says at one point says your grand always used to say follow your heart or something like that she does the thing where it's all the stereotypical platitudes where it's like oh follow your dreams listen to your heart not your head so on and so forth her parents do look like they are 60 to 70 years old they look absolutely ancient I, and at one point i when i initially saw them i thought they might have been grandparents no those are her parents and she's seemingly recently out of medical school because i think that's the situation with the fellowship that like she did really well in medical school got some good background experience and then gets to go off and do fancy doctor stuff but maybe, maybe i'm wrong i thought she was maybe late 20s early 30s but i guess maybe she's older than that and she's been a doctor for a while and like her parents are like a reasonable age but they just seem substantially older than i expected them to have been and i mean the fact that they live in a mansion as well and i get because the dad's like uh a... he's a high up doctor yeah and that's the thing as well i was really surprised 
surprised that that the system's rigged because she's already got a dad and I don't want to say Big Pharma but let's face it, it probably is Big Pharma she's got her dad in so the dad's just like, oh, leave it with me I'll get you a really good job in this industry. Absolute nepo child she's relying so much on nepotism here and the mum is like, forge your own path and she's like mum just doesn't get my dream and it's like, is your dream to have everything handed to you? I completely agreed with her mum, I thought, I was like I was like, no, the mum is right here, do your own thing be a doctor if you want to be like your dad in that way but find your own job this alaska thing is a great opportunity and you found it yourself well kind of you went to an office and spoke to someone who was like this is available but you took that chance yourself because see in all honesty i think the mum was in a very very roundabout way calling her a basic bitch to be honest because she's like oh you never take chances you don't do this and she has the stereotypical line of oh you'll be very back soon and i just noted down unless a hunky lumberjack or something changed her mind and you know i wasn't far off and i don't think it's fair because the hunky love interest in this was very omnicompetent he was like competent in a lot of things but yeah there was a couple of things that just before she got to garland there's a couple of things that i just want to kind of bring up and i don't know if you noticed this as well the fact that the plane that see before she got the other plane over to garland did you notice that plane was coming in at an angle no i didn't notice that i don't know if you watched the thing obviously it's probably stock footage and i don't know if it's a windy day but it was really coming in at an angle pull up pull up we're in the garland i have to say see this whole and i agree with the main character here when they said that the job was adjacent to anchorage that is just corporate catfishing right there because i even noted that down because you saw the stock footage of them flying over the mountains and i just put down jesus christ where's this hospital moria <laughs> because that's what it felt like I was expecting them to see the fellowship go over. She was looking for a fellowship. Yeah, exactly. That was my thought. I was like, what is going on? It's like poetry, right? <laughs> you have my stethoscope. And there was like a lot of really weird line reads. I can't remember what it was, but I think the main guy comes out of nowhere and she rightfully says that. She goes, oh, that came out of nowhere. And you're sitting there being like, was that the best take you had that day? Or do you just know it's a Hallmark film so you're not even going to try? here or she does that a few times her reaction to things is so unproportionate to what's going on later on the movie goes into this like open area in the woods where our hunky friend has taken her and she goes oh wow it's obviously green screen so she can't see what's happening but there's like the aurora borealis is happening above her it's absolutely beautiful and she's like that's awesome can you imagine if there was a really serious incident where it was like oh my god the factory collapsed and frank's trapped underneath that's garland for you Because as you were saying in the I Believe in Santa review there, there's a lot of very cultish undertones in this film. Because I genuinely, see if you switch the movie around from a very whimsical score to like a horror track, genuinely this could be like the next Midsummer or something. Because the way they're acting, especially that creeped me out when she was like, oh, news travels fast and suddenly everyone was sending her flowers and things. Can you imagine if they don't like like somebody. I know. What happened to the other doctors? They didn't work out. Yeah, like what are they buried on that mountain you flew across? <laughs> 
<laughs> or under the Aurora Borealis area. Yeah, that was really, really... I don't know. It was just, it was really off-putting, I have to say. I have to admit, I was really disappointed in myself because I tried calling that she would say, that's Garland for you at the end, but she never did. Mm. And I feel quite upset about that. <laughs> she never said it. And again, the whole fact she said things like, I can make this work when she's talking about the log cabin. And I was just thinking, it's a log cabin cabin for god's sake it's not like a hovel that's another line i actually forgot did you notice this one where her and is it frank who was the pseudo santa where they're talking and they have this really weird backhanded compliment argument with one another where not santa wink wink says it'll fatten you up here and then she turns around and says oh you look like santa (laughs) It's like, fucking hell, no chill in this household, is there? I know, and immediately kind of getting to the point where this guy is Santa, and when she's already, wink, wink, you kind of look like Santa, wink, wink. I also forgot I noted this now, because the main character's called Andrew, and I just put down, oh no, he's called Andrew. All the interactions between her and Frank were very odd. There was very little chemistry at any point in this movie. Neither her nor Frank seemed to be able to act properly in this role. And like, I'm sure he's an established actor. You know, he was the boss in the National Lampoon, but he doesn't seem very good. What I don't like about this film is, and again, I'm skipping to the end here, where it is implied that he is the real Santa because he lies off into the night with one reindeer. What the hell happened to the others? I did think that that was a bit strange that he only had one. I get why, technically because, you know, getting 12 reindeers is probably a mighty task in itself for a Hallmark film, but you're going to go with one and just not even a magic sleigh. Like, that might have been better, but yeah, there's a scene where basically they're saying, oh, Frankie <laughs> nearly died because you eat too many cookies. And can you imagine kids watching this being like, I'm going to leave out milk and cookies for Santa. And they watch this and then all of a sudden all these adults are like, you killed Santa. I was thinking that at the end when he's had this almost heart attack, which was definitely a heart attack and they're like it's not a heart attack actually i was like mm, not so sure about that given like everything he collapsed he has pains in his chest and arm i'm not a medical professional maybe maybe there are things that are very similar but definitely should be not great to move around and go deliver presents right now and he's been told to like switch up his diet because he's gonna die if he keeps eating cookies that memo is not gonna be passed down to the kids so he's either continued to eat the equivalent of a metric ton of cookies in one night or he's left them all now and so the kids are like oh santa didn't come because he didn't eat my cookies yeah there's a lot of really weird moments like that because obviously they're trying to say oh it is Santa but you know wink wink don't tell anyone don't tell the kids and it really disturbs me because there's a scene where she goes over there for dinner and you know they have like a huge blowout because he's like oh you're a fourth generation garlander or some weird thing like that which I thought what happened to the other generations (laughs) so they're like yeah, you see like this elf jump scare where an elf runs across the screen but it leaves its hat. That is never brought up again, by the way. I missed that scene. I was looking down making notes about something else and then she was like, was that an elf? And I was like, fuck, I missed it. No, exactly, because I was watching it and I was like, no, that couldn't have been an elf. But they never bring it up again. The way that they get around it by saying, oh, he's Santa, but for the modern age as he runs, uh, I think it's like a shipping company for Christmas. And the thing that I absolutely hate about it, and I mentioned this to you, it's like such a minor nitpick, but he's got like this oval sign that he uses and it's like holiday shipping or something. 
something or holiday something but the word holiday isn't within the oval so it overlaps and it's really hard to read I know it's a hallmark film I know nobody cares I know this isn't so much a oh I hope someone was fired for that blunder moment but you're sitting there thinking really? Is that the choice you're going to go with Santa? You know the same Santa that is on the, the Coke bottles and things is this the branding you want to go with? Partly so we can only assume that he either runs Santa's workshop or a secret Alaskan sweatshop because that's the only two options I've got down here there's like no happy medium in between them the only other one I want to draw attention to and I don't know if you noticed this but seeing the power cut scene yeah I don't know why I thought of this but when the lights cut out there all I could keep thinking was power cuts brought to you by Garland Pyongyang that's Garland for you all praise our benevolent leader Santa Claus he needed the power more than we did he needed the power more than we did yeah the fact that Andrew is the linchpin of this community that he is the handyman he's the pilot genuinely I can understand his dad's reservations about letting them go because how else are they supposed to get out of there like seriously he's the only one who could fly a plane and obviously they would have to arrange a new service but they need to set up a better sort of infrastructure in this town for these kind of things like I was thinking this as well Lauren can't be there forever they can't rely on hoping that someone will come out to their random ass town to be their doctor in the future because clearly that's not been working for like some time so maybe they should have a system set up where they kind of incentivize some of the kids from Garland to go into medical school so that they can come back and be the town doctor shadow Lauren so they learn from her that kind of thing it's not a sustainable uh, model well that's the thing as well how long have they been without a doctor I think they said a year Jesus Christ because don't get me wrong obviously they must have talented nurses and auxiliaries and things like that and I mean in stretch and saying that because it's not really a hospital I'm convinced it's someone's living room and they just converted it it was very much just a house know why they couldn't get a real hospital no wait no sorry backtrack because I'm saying that no they couldn't have got a real hospital but they had a real hospital at the beginning of the film so yeah they literally just get I don't know the producer's holiday home in Alaska maybe I don't think they were in Alaska they were probably in like Georgia or somewhere cheap to film and then just put some fake snow around I think they often film in like Colorado and Georgia for these kind of things so it, it was all just awful it was just terrible I liked Billy yeah Billy was cool Billy was cute Billy wasn't a terrible actress she more than anyone else kind of gave off the culty vibes when she would like creepily smile after saying the convenience store in Garland has everything you need Billy's relationship with Wyatt the florist boy was very strange at the very start on Lauren's first day she has this patient waiting room absolutely full of people and she's having a chit chat with Billy who she's known for roughly six hours about the florist boy and what her relationship with him is maybe have this conversation after you've dealt with the mountain of patients who've not seen a doctor in a year yeah there's just a guy bleeding out in the waiting room and she's like oh why it's so dreamy I'm dying <laughs> please help me she did say at one point that she already sorted the patients by order of importance and like the first patient she had to see was someone who had a tummy ache from eating something that they shouldn't have or something oh okay so that's the severity here there's people with like a broken foot we're dealing with someone who had a tummy ache coming from someone who frequently gets tummy aches I don't feel like my situation deserves to be ahead of those with actual problems yeah you can just imagine the triage system there it's like oh someone ate too many Christmas cookies help I've been shot now now so I go to the back of the line this is Garland to kind of summarise my thoughts on both films really especially for this one though is the fact that they are hallmark films you know the bar isn't set especially high for what to expect from these films but even for a Hallmark film you just sit there thinking why did you make this decision? Was this the best decision of your life? Was it the worst? I had kind of figured the movie out pretty 
early on. 15, 20 minutes into the movie, I made a note being like, I'm pretty sure that Garland is either a cult or is actually the North Pole. I was like, okay, now I am correct that they're implying that Garland is actually the North Pole. There's a really weird scene where Nate, this guy who's like clearly an elf that like had a little teeny tiny hammer that he was making toys with, it hurt his hand. And he was like, well, I made toys that just like an awkward little shrug. And I was like, oh, this scene's awful. It's so cringy. Can you imagine the alternative? It's like, don't say you're an elf. Don't say you're an elf. I deal drugs. <laughs> As I said, I don't know what it is about Christmas films and trying to kill off Santa Claus because we reviewed Noel last week and as I said for that at the very beginning, it's like, oh, what a lovely family moment and then all of a sudden, oh yeah, Dad died a couple of years later. I mean, even in I Believe in Santa, they didn't really kill him off, but I think they killed off a lot of people's faith in that film and yeah, this one, yeah, they just tried to straight up kill him by the end with an overdose of sugar. For a film about traditions that was a weird take to have. I hated this movie. It left such a negative impression on me. I never want to see it again. And you told me prior to this recording that there was actually a sequel to this that came out just last year, which has some of the same characters in it, but our main character is not in it. And seemingly another woman is now falling in love with Andy Holiday. So like, what happened to Lauren? Was she killed in the brutal ritual sacrifice that is Garland? What is happening over there? See, now my theory is that see at the very end of the film where they have the Christmas fair and he comes out in the sleigh with the reindeer and then he flies off into the night sky. I think she got trampled. Grandma got hit by a reindeer style. She was just like, oh, what whimsical fun. And then, you know. Maybe she died en route back to Boston and just every, everything that happened subsequently was all just a figment. Honestly, I'm not curious enough to watch the other film to see what the hell happened between 2014 in 2022 when they brought out a sequel because who in the and again see if you're a Hallmark stan aficionado whatever the term is for Hallmark fans of these films was there a clamouring for a sequel especially for this film because I feel as if of all the Hallmark films I've seen there are some where I genuinely do think oh that was actually not that bad maybe it should have got a sequel but for the most part I don't get why they would have made a sequel for this film in particular because nothing happens. I mean, Santa nearly dies, sorry, and a reindeer nearly has to get put down for glue. But other than that, nothing really happens, does it? Yeah, it's a very nothing film. It is very uneventful. But before we wrap up, though, I've got one particular question for you. And it's going to be a very difficult question here, so brace yourself. But what would you say was your preferred film between these two? Oh, definitely the first one. Definitely I Believe in Santa. That was much more enjoyable. I had things I could actually say about that movie whereas like this one just it just kind of went by me other than just the usual comments about yeah this felt very culty why is this like this this is strange kind of thing. There was nothing that really stood out to me about this movie. It felt like a tax write-off. Yeah, no, I would agree with you. I think that I believe in Santa probably is the better of these two. I mean, it's not saying much, but yeah, I would definitely agree with you there. I would even say that I believe in Santa's the more entertaining film out the two. Yeah, it is more enjoyable. Because at least you could kind of laugh at a lot of the things in it, whereas for Christmas Under Wraps, it's got unintentionally funny moments, but it's all 
peaked in this, you know, stereotypical Hallmark moments. The, oh, person from the big city, they come to a town that they're not really used to, they fall in love with a local handyman. So it's all right, but it's just it's a wee bit dull. Christmas Under Wraps is also a movie that seems to take place around Christmas rather than be about Christmas. And I mean, that's the case with a lot of these Hallmark movies where like Christmas isn't necessarily the centerpiece or the focus. It's just like a decoration. I Believe in Santa clearly had Christmas focus, whereas Christmas Under Wraps was a story of a young doctor who needed to sort of change her ideals about life by going to this small town. And that could have been a story told not at Christmas, but it just so happened it was also Christmas. I did note that if we're in Alaska and we're around Christmas time, it's not getting light out at all, essentially, for a good two months two, three months. A lot of this took place during the day, and I was like, mm, I'm pretty suspect of the fact that this is in complete darkness right now. See, on that note, though, Andrew, thank you so much for well, watching I Believe in Santa, and I'll give you a very hearty festive screw you for making me watch this film. <laughs> That's more than fair. I think I fulfilled my role of giving the worst Christmas movie. You know, seeing I want to say, out of all the bad Christmas films I actually have watched, it wasn't the worst I've ever seen. I wouldn't say it's the best. Absolutely not the best. But yeah, it's not, it's not the worst I've ever seen. How did it compare to Bone Alone? Oh no, Bone Alone's a masterpiece in itself. <laughs> I'll have to get you a copy. It's just pure art. No, and that though, thank you so much for doing this episode. And speaking of killing off Santa, next week we are going to be tackling for our final festive episode, we are going to be tackling the one and only Santa Claus, or the Santa Claus, technically. We'll be tackling Tim, Tim Allen's the, the Santa, Santa Claus. Claus, which I have to admit, this is probably very blasphemous for the holiday season, but I have never really sat down and watched this film. I know of it. I've heard people who absolutely hate it. You know, other people who love it. So yeah, it'll be interesting to watch it and discuss it next week. But yeah, until then, if you want to catch up with our other festive episodes, then you can catch us on the website, chatsanami.com. I also want to give a huge shout out to our Pandalorian patrons, Robotic Battle Toaster and Sonia. Thank you so, so much as always for supporting the channel. And now it's over to you, Andrew. Where can they find this exclusive content? They can find the exclusive content on our Patreon, patreon.com slash chatsunami, where you can find exclusive episodes, episodes that arrive a week ahead of time, and just engage with us on our on the platform. We always appreciate comments on there and any kind of contribution you can make to the channel. And as always, stay safe, stay awesome, and most importantly, stay jolly. That too. <laughs> That's Garland for you. <laughs> Do you believe in Chatsunami? <laughs>